Let's jump into Daniel chapter 12. Like you to picture for a moment that we're back in January of 2020. Okay, so nothing in these last 10 years this year has happened. At least that's how it feels, right? We're back in January. We're still thinking this is going to be the best year ever. And we had no idea the challenges we were going to face. And what if I stood up here and gave a bunch of predictions for 2020? Okay, so remember, picture January, and none of this has happened. And, and I'm going to read something, and I tried to write it a little bit like apocalyptic literature or Daniel form. If I was to read this in January, what would you think? There will be a time, and ten more times, where people will separate and pestilence will cover the face of the earth. One corner will, will deal with flying instruments of murder via hornet, and the nation will struggle to figure out an election. A group of men called Dodgers will achieve world dominance. Flames will lick the West during that time, and all will zoom while churches leave their buildings. But be knowledgeable that it will be only for 300 days and all will be resolved. What would you think? What would you have thought in January? <laughs> thanks, thanks, whoever is bagging on the Dodgers. <laughs> Don. Um, you, know, you might think I was a little nuts to write something like that, right? It's like, okay, Pastor Run's lost, lost his marbles, a little too much Dr. Pepper, I don't know. Now, as the year went along and each of those things happened, what might you think? Wow, there's something to this. And if we get to today and I was saying this and you knew that I had written it in January and you knew that every one of those things had come true, what would you be thinking about the very last statement that after 300 days all will be resolved? You might think, well, that, that probably is going to come true as well. He's batting 1,000. 100. 100 is not good. He's batting 1,000. And so if he's right about all those other things, maybe he's right about the, hundred, the 300 days. And, and I'm, I am not predicting that all will be resolved at 300 days, so don't, don't go there with that. And that's sometime in January. So, um, But because of the truth of the earlier statements about the future, that lends credibility to the last statement. And that's where we're at in this vision of Daniel. And Pastor AJ talked through last week's um, prophecies that we saw prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that God got right. In fact, he batted 1,000. 135 prophecies that were given to Daniel before they actually happened, all of which came true. That means something. That, that, that gives credibility and now we come to Daniel 12, and actually Pastor AJ hinted at it at the end of 11, where Daniel is now given a prophecy for the end of trouble, for the end of time, and what is coming. And so if you're Daniel, and, or if you're living through this time, and you're the nation of Israel, and prophecy after prophecy came true, that gives credibility to God's statement about the end. And that's how we need to understand Daniel 10, 11, and 12 is this is about a faithful, sovereign God that predicted the future because it falls according to his plan, and so we can trust him with the future yet to come. Now, we, we're sitting here today, and, and I know that there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of challenges with 2020, but beyond that, there are health challenges, and, and we, we have, we've had people in our congregation face cancer this year and last year, and We've had job loss, and all of these things can be so troubling in a world without hope. We're going to talk about hope this Christmas. But it can be so troubling if you don't know what's going to happen, and it can feel like everything's just piling on. And so the question this morning is, how do we as believers react to this? How do we respond to the worst of times? How do we respond to the most difficult of times? And that is what Daniel 12 is preparing Daniel and his people for, and God's people for. And the challenge here, and, and I put it at the top, is even when you don't have all the answers, in the worst of trouble, persevere and live for God because he absolutely is delivering you. Let me read that again. Even when you don't have all the answers, in the worst of trouble, persevere and live for God because he absolutely is delivering you. 
And what we're going to see in this chapter is God is bringing Daniel along. And he's saying, there's going to be trouble and it's going to be bad. But look at, look at all the ways I've worked. Look at, remember all the prophecies that are true and know that I am taking care of this too. And I, this is happening according to my timetable, God says. I am there to help. And you won't even know the why. You won't even have all the answers. But live boldly for me, knowing that I do. And that's the message of Daniel 12. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 12 if you're not there already. And let's dig into God's word. And we'll look at, at four different points that sort of correspond with each other about dealing with trouble in this world and things to remember as we deal with trouble in this world. Point number one comes from the verse verse. And it's that even in the worst of trouble, which is still coming for them and for us, even in the worst of trouble, which is still coming, God is at work and will deliver his people. Even in the worst of trouble, which is still coming, God is at work and will deliver his people. And so if we had to summarize that, God helps and fights for his people. And this comes out of verse 1. And so keep in mind, though, that chapter 12 is continuing 11. It's continuing that vision. And at the end of 11, the, the vision to Daniel had switched from some of the events that were about 160 years before Jesus and what was going to happen to the temple and Antiochus Epiphanes. He had switched to, to looking long-term to the end of time, the end of human history on this planet, and say, this is how it's going to end. And, and referencing specifically that Satan's going to empower a man, the Antichrist, to come and lead the world astray and persecute the saints trying to wipe out Christianity. And try as he wills, and Satan will try, he's unsuccessful, praise God. And so that's where we pick this up, is that view to the end. So it's the future for Daniel, it's the future for us as well. How does this planet end? How does life end? And so we see in verse 1, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And we know Michael from Jude is an archangel. And um, he has, we, we've already seen him fighting the powers of darkness. And we know that there's this whole supernatural war going that we don't see, that we don't understand. And that's all happening around us or, or outside of us. But Daniel is, is told, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been seen, or such as, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And so we see at that time it starts with is, is referring to the future. It's referring to the end of time. And, and Jesus, um, Jesus later um, announces it. But in this case, to Daniel is announced the Antichrist and the reign of terror that is coming. And we saw the final stages of the military conquest in 11. And now Daniel jumps or the, the angel to Daniel says, okay, this is what happens at that time of the Antichrist. This is... What, what's going to, to be. And really the verse breaks down into three things. We have the help, the trouble, and the deliverance. The help is Michael, the archangel. He's the great angel fighting on behalf of God's people. In fact, Revelation 12 seems to be talking about this same event, and probably John was, was reflecting on Daniel and expanding on it. But in Revelation 12, 7 through 12, um, we read, Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Therefore rejoice, to verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And the picture we get is at the end of time that Michael is fighting the, the, the forces of evil. He's fighting Satan and the things that are empowering the Antichrist. And, and Michael is winning. Michael wins and defeats the battle. We see that in verse 1. Your people shall be delivered. But in those final stages, we see the Antichrist empowered by Satan sort of lashing out any way he can at the church. Lashing out at God and his people. Sort of like if you've ever cornered an animal. It, it, it's not pretty. 
you corner them, maybe scare them a little bit, and their their claws come out, their teeth come out, and they fight like I've never seen seen them fight before. One time, I snuck up on a, a strange cat and scared it, and then ended up with just bloody arms, Be, because it, it just was the end of. He thought it was the end of its time. And I picture this where Satan is backed in the corner. He knows his time is short according to the Revelation passage. And so he lashes out at God's people in ways that have never been seen before in human history. But I love how the very first thing God announces is the help. He doesn't start with the trouble. He starts with the help. That we have a host of angels led by Michael that is fighting the supernatural fight on our behalf. In his love, God reminds Daniel, reminds his people, reminds us that the fight actually isn't ours to win. The fight has already been won by Jesus Christ, and he's the one fighting that fight. And so he starts with the help in in just his love, and, and the message is, your people are going to have Michael fighting for them. And it's like, yes! And then the next sentence is, because it's going to be really bad. It's like, oh no. And it in a way of preparing his people in, in honesty of what's coming, we have the trouble. And the phrasing there is such as never been seen since there was a nation till that time. And that phrase means from the beginning of nations until the end of time, there has never been a time that is as bad as it will be at the end. And that's sobering. That's sobering because that's our history still, or our future still. That is still coming. And so the battle lines are drawn. The supernatural battle lines are drawn. Michael and angelic forces against the Antichrist and his forces empowered by Satan. But again, this is according to God's plan. And so even though we can look at this and, and with, with fear and trepidation, the, the real message here is God has already been assembling his forces before we even knew we needed them. God has been fighting the fight before we knew that the fight had to be fought. And so God does not leave his people stranded. And that's the message for Daniel. Michael is fighting for you. It's going to be hard, but I've given you help. You are a helped people. You are a known people because you're my people. And he mentions that over and over. That We are his people. And finally, he says, you will be a delivered people. And that's the, the last part of the verse is the deliverance. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. And again, there's confidence. 135 prophecies just in the same vision all came true. And so this is a promise that we can just rest on. Your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And so the, 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 the message here for Daniel right from the start in verse 1 of this chapter is don't get distressed over this. Deliverance is coming. I know the trouble is hard and, and, and Christians are going to be persecuted and it is going to be unlike anything ever seen. But deliverance is coming. And so don't be distressed. Don't let this just terrorize your thoughts and your life where this is all you think about. In fact, he's going to talk to Daniel about that later in this chapter. That your people will be delivered. All of God's people will be delivered. Whose name shall be found written in the book. And that's a reference to the book of life. We have that in number, a number of verses. And, and it probably refers to the towns at the time would have sort of a record of citizens of that town. And they would keep it in a book. And if your name was written in the, as a citizen of this town, you got to experience the benefits of that town. The benefits of community. The benefits of services. If someone moved out or if someone wasn't there, their name was, was blotted out of the book. It was taken out of the book. And so think of this as a, 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 the role of citizens in God's kingdom. And God is saying, for those whose names are in the book of life, those who have repented of their sins, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior and given life to them, their names are in the book of life and their deliverance is certain. It will never end. In fact, Revelation 20, 15 tells of the final judgment, which really the next few verses are going to talk about. It says, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
And so this book of life represents those followers of Jesus. And those followers of Jesus are delivered, and anyone not in the book of life that don't follow Jesus, their destiny, their eternal destiny is the lake of fire, is hell, is judgment. And we don't want to sell that short because knowing Christ is everything in this life and in the life to come. Jesus talks about this very thing in Matthew 24. And I'll read some of those verses. For then there will be great tribulation. And again, Jesus is talking about this time in the future that will be unlike anything that has been ever seen. Then there will be great tribulation. Such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And so Jesus also says, this is coming. Times of trouble, but then Jesus shows up but God. And he shows up and delivers his people. In fact, we're going to see in, in, in the points to come, he actually cuts the time short in an act of grace and love. This verse in a nutshell, God is prepared, he's fighting the fight, and he wins. And so we can take even this first verse, that even in the worst of trouble, God is at work and will deliver his people. And one of the things I think about as, as we think of 2020, as I think of just a, a lot of the things we've experienced as a family in the last couple of years, the world is getting worse around us. I know this is a Thanksgiving message. The world is getting worse around us, and we shouldn't be surprised by that. We shouldn't be shocked by that. That doesn't mean we, we live in apathy. We fight for truth. We fight to be salt and light. But don't be shocked that the world is getting worse because what did God say is going to still happen? It's going to get even worse. But that does not, that does not paralyze at us. That does not dis, dismay us. Because right alongside that is, it's going to get worse, but God is fighting the fight. And God will win. And so we take confidence in this. And I, I am so thankful that God tells us it's going to get worse. Because if he doesn't tell us that, then, then we think we're losing. Then we think this world is winning. We think Satan is winning. Village Satan isn't winning. It can feel that way, especially if you watch the news. But Satan isn't winning. He's lashing out his final axe out of a corner. And God wins. Whatever fight you're facing from circumstances, from this dark world, God is fighting that fight. He will give you strength. Jesus will come back. And maybe for me, this is just sort of my way of thinking, sometimes when I see what feels like the world falling apart, I'm like, well, maybe Jesus is coming back sooner. That'd be cool. Jesus is coming back. Could be today, could be a thousand years, but he is coming back. So verse 1 God helps and fights for his people. And rest on that. God helps and fights for his people. We get to verses 2 through 4, and that's the next point there. In light of that, because God helps and fights for his people, we are to live life in light of the everlasting, where the gospel is what matters. Live life in light of the everlasting, where the gospel is what matters. What I mean by that is as we go through life, as we go through our daily life, we should be asking ourselves the question, what eternally matters? You know, is, is Taco Bell, being able to eat inside at Taco Bell, what eternally matters? No. Maybe that's actually better for us. No, that, uh, <laughs> what eternally matters are souls that are saved. Souls that are discipled for Jesus Christ. And so we need to live for what eternally matters. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's what I keep reminding myself as this year goes on, as we look at different changes we have to make. As a church, my prayer is that we keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing isn't whether we meet inside or outside. 
That's a distraction. The main thing is are people hearing the gospel? Do people see our witness? Do they see our testimony? Are we telling people that Jesus is the answer for everything that is sin and darkness in this world? Are we living it? Are we saying it? Are we drawing people to Christ? Oh, village, this world needs Jesus. This world needs to repent and follow Jesus because the consequences are eternal of that choice. We're to be discipling each other. The time you spend with each other in discipleship, opening up God's word, reading a chapter together, reading a book together, that's eternal. That's an investment that will reap all kinds of rewards. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. Listen to these verses. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And so let's unpack this a little bit. How does this talk about keeping the main thing the main thing and living for what eternally matters? Verse 2 is one of the clearest places in the Old Testament talking about the resurrection. And talking about the resurrection of all, those that don't follow God to condemnation, to judgment, those that do follow God to everlasting life with God in perfect communion with him. This is, this is such a clear passage for that. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, that's a reference to death. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, that's those whose names are written in the book of life. They are resurrected to the new heaven and the new earth to reign with Jesus Christ where there is no sin, no tears, no suffering, but some to shame and everlasting contempt. And this is where we get the passages about the lake of fire and an understanding of the theology of hell, that all will be resurrected. All will have bo- be in bodily form. Those that trust God here on this earth will live eternally with him. But those that reject God, those that reject Jesus Christ, they are choosing shame and contempt and punishment. That's sobering. That's sobering, but it helps us think eternal consequences rather than the trouble we're in and the worst of circumstances we're in. This is what matters. Helping people make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to be in the book of life. This is what matters. Do we want our neighbors, our family members, those we come in contact with, to be resurrected to shame and everlasting contempt, to be resurrected to the lake of fire? Ferguson describes it as a perpetual state of guilt and separation from God. Man, I want everyone I know to not go through that, to experience what it's like to live for Jesus, to be his child, to be a citizen of his kingdom. And so we see the eternality of this decision, of our decisions that are here. We also see deliverance, by the way, which is promised in the last verse. Deliverance for many of God's people is going to come through resurrection to eternal life. That's how Daniel was delivered. He didn't get to see this firsthand. He's, he's with God right now, and, and then he'll be resurrected and have his new body, and he'll get to see this in the future. This is true deliverance. Death isn't defeat. Death isn't defeat if we know Jesus Christ. A couple of other things just about the resurrection. I did put a chart in there of the end times, and I added Daniel and the weeks of Daniel, and so now it's on legal form, and you can, you know, spread it out. But a couple things you'll see at the end is actually the resurrection, and this is a little bit of a bunny trail, but just sort of fun as we compare Revelation with Daniel. The resurrection that we see explained a little further in, in, or the resurrection in in the book of Revelation is a two-part resurrection. And we see those that are saved 
those that know Jesus are resurrected when, when Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation. In fact, they will reign with Christ in the millennium. But we see that those who, who rejected Christ, who didn't follow Christ, they're resurrected at the end of the millennium, and they're resurrected to the great white throne judgment. And, and you can read 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. You can read Revelation 20. And all of those things describe it. But let me read Revelation 24 through 6. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And that's the first resurrection of those that died and were martyred during the tribulation for Jesus, that stood for Jesus. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection, the, the, the ones that rose first. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection, because that's for believers. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And so Daniel is being told there's eternal consequences here. There's a resurrection. And be part of the first resurrection. Be part of the, the resurrection of those that are believers in Christ. You don't want to be part of the second one for eternal judgment. Part of these verses are a reminder that we're to be living for, th for this decision. We're to be sharing this with others, helping others along. Look at verse 3. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And the, the wise here references those that are believers, those that are followers of God. They will, be, they will shine like brightness of the sky above. And the, the metaphor there is believers, followers of Christ, we're to be shining for God now. We're to be making a difference for him now. We're not secret Christians. We're to, we're to make that open and public and live in such a way that it, it shines God's glory to everyone around us. And, and one of the features of what they do going on in verse 3, those who turn many to righteousness. And so we see right here what's praised are those that are following Christ, that are shining for Christ, and those that are influencing others for Christ, discipling others, teaching others. Moms and dads, this starts with your kids, teaching them to follow God, teaching them to, to be disciples of Christ. That's part of this. It's part of what we're to be doing in trouble. This is part of doing what's eternal rather than focusing on the temporary. Those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. See, as we do this, the cool thing is in trouble, in times of trouble, in times of difficulty, as we do this, as we shine for Christ, as we keep focusing on what's eternal, we actually help each other do it, right? And so if, if I'm walking along, if I'm having a bad day and Patrick here sees this, I can use you as an example, and, and he comes alongside, puts his arm around my shoulder from six feet away, and, um, and says, you know what, Ron, I, I, I was praying for you, and I, this is how I'm seeing God work. And this is how God might be working in your circumstances. What does that do? He now has encouraged a brother in Christ. By focusing on what's eternal, He's helped me do the same thing. And then I can do that for someone. And so this is something, community, we do this together. Are we going to be discouraged together or are we going to be encouraged by what God is doing together? Oh, we, can, we should be encouraged. But how we talk matters. The kinds of things we talk about matters. Let's be encouraged and encouraging story is told in, in 1540 of two Scottish lads. So it was told by, by someone from Scotland, apparently. Alexander Kennedy and Jerome Russell, and they were condemned to burn at the stake for their faith. And as they were walking to the execution site, Russell noticed some signs of depression in his companion, and so he talked with them. Brother, fear not. I'm like, we're going to be killed. Brother, fear not. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The pain that we are to suffer is short and shall be light, but our joy and our consolation shall never have an end. Let us therefore strive to enter into our Master and Savior by the same straight way which he has trod before us. Death cannot destroy us, 
shepherd is already destroyed by him for whose sake we suffer. And so they walked on to the stake. So how are we going to talk to each other? They're on their way to their execution. And he's encouraging his fellow, fellow Christian. He's encouraging that death has already been defeated. He's encouraging to even die shining for Christ. Oh, we can encourage each other in the things we, we encounter. But so many times it's easy to get together and just gripe, isn't it? I, I can do this. And, and we say, oh, and I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe this, this law is being passed or this order is being given or I can't believe that, that this is happening. to my, Everything happens to my family. And we can feed off that. The village, let's feed off encouragement. Let's be the ones that say, wait, 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 wait. We're living for God who has given eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. Our task, our main thing is to tell people about him and disciple people for him. He's already won the battle. These two verses, verses two and three, answer the question, is serving Christ worth it? Is serving Christ worth it? And as we see the consequences of lives turned to God, yes, it's eternally worth it. It's eternally worth serving Christ and giving everything for that cause. Questions we should ask ourselves is, what am I doing this week for forever? And I don't mean ongoing that I'm going to do it forever, but for eternity, what am I doing this week for eternity? What am I doing this week that will last instead of what, what won't matter in a week from now? You know, sometimes people say, well, think about what, what will matter in, in a year and focus on those things. We're being encouraged to think about what will happen in a thousand years, what will make a difference then and focus on those things. And when we do that, the stuff around us, the junk around us starts to fall away because we make the main thing the main thing. Verse 4 is an interesting verse and it says, but, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and, and seal the, the book. And the idea here isn't to hide it, isn't to keep it secret, like, oh no, we somehow found Daniel, we shouldn't be studying it. That's not what it's saying. Those were words that were often used of preserving a, a, a scroll. Scrolls were fragile, they fell apart, so they'd put them in jars and they would seal the jars and they would, they would put seals to make sure they were, weren't opened ahead of time or prematurely. And so the idea here is, Daniel, preserve this because those following you are going to need this. Those believers coming after you are going to need to hear the words of Daniel. They're going to need to be reminded of the sovereignty of God. They're going to need to be reminded that it's going to be okay because God is fighting the fight. They're going to need to be reminded that ultimate victory and resurrection to eternal life comes through Jesus Christ. And so he says, seal this up until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And that can be taken as a positive or, or a negative. I, I think it's probably more positive that people are going to seek knowledge. The closer you get to the end, people are going to wonder what's going on. And as they go to Daniel, as they go to the word of God, they're going to find answers. They're going to find God's truth. We get to verses 5 through 7. We've seen God helps and fights for his people, so live for what eternally matters. And now in verses 5 through 7, we're reminded that God has a timetable of the future planned. And in his encouraging grace, he limits the worst. God has the timetable of the future planned. It, it's done he sovereignly is superintending it, and in his encouraging grace, he limits the worst. God graciously limits times of trouble. I think about this when, man, I, I bet I'm not the only one, but there's times that you think, how can I go through another day? How? I'm done. I'm done. I'm at my limit. Anyone ever get there? Yeah. And God's saying, actually, I know your limits because I know you and I love you. And I'll make sure that this doesn't go past your limit of what you can handle with my help. 
with my help. And so in these next verses, God graciously lets his people know the worst is only for three and a half years. He gives the information needed for encouragement. Verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on the bank of the stream, and one on, the bank of the, uh, one, of, one of, on that bank of the stream. So on the two sides of the Tigris River, probably two angels here. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, so there's some sort of third person that's hovering over the waters, and that could be a, a superior angel, it could be Jesus. There's all kinds of discussion of that that Pastor Andrew talked about a, a couple weeks ago. But it says, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And notice it's not Daniel asking this. It's one of the other angels, possibly Gabriel, because he knows this is what's needed. And, and the idea isn't when will this happen or how long until this happens. The idea of the question is how long will the trouble last? How long will the intense trouble last? How long will I be without a job? How long will I deal with this pain? How long will we deal with the circumstances of the world around us? And that's the question. And, and, and God answers through the, the person in the middle. And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And you raise your right hand when you're swearing an oath. And if you raise both hands, it signified really just a, a, an assurance that this was true, a, a certainty that this was true. And he swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And again, we can read that and we're like, what? That's, that's really weird. But each of these represents a year. So a time is one year, times plural, two more years, half a time, and, and you get three and a half years. And we've seen that earlier in Daniel. We, we see it spelled out in Revelation. We'll see it later in this passage. It would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. And again, this is good news, bad news. The bad news is it's three and a half years, and in that three and a half years, it's going to be really bad, so much that the, the God's people, their power will be shattered. They will be crushed. But just in the darkest time, just when they think they can't handle any more, just when it seems like Satan is winning, all these things will be finished. And God puts an end to it. And again, this is with two hands up as an oath. This is a certainty. God has a timetable planned, and it will happen. And nothing, nothing can stop it. And we should take hope in that. Great hope in that. And so we have great assurance that these things are true. We have great assurance that difficulty will end on God's timetable. We see the, the time, times, and half a time, that same wording used in Revelation 12, 14, which is talking about this event. But in the big picture, for, for God to say to Daniel, your people are going to go through the hardness of it for three and a half years, and then it's over. In the grand picture of history, that's nothing. That's nothing. Because we're comparing this to eternity. And so God in his grace and his love is saying, it's going to be a short time, and I'll end it, and I will win it, and deliverance will come. Trust me. And so in the bleakest and darkest of times, God acts. And this is true of his character. If he can do that in the worst of times as this world's coming to an end, do you think he can do that in our circumstances today? Village, God has a timetable for even the difficult things you're going through. And he will end it in his grace and his love, and he will act. Satan never acts without limitations. And God is the one that sets those limitations. And so we see God helps and fights for his people. So live for what eternally matters. God graciously limits the time of trouble and then we get to the last few verses, 8 through 13. So persevere and live boldly for God, even without all the answers. So persevere and live boldly for God, even without all the answers. And quite frankly, I want to cross out that last phrase. I like answers. I want to know why. 
I want to know how it's going to work. But as you're going to see in these verses, God tells Daniel, persevere, live boldly for me, and you're not going to have all the answers. Verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. Now, isn't that sort of cool that Daniel says that? Because that's how I feel about a lot of (laughs) the last six chapters of Daniel. And Daniel says, okay, I'm hearing you, but I don't understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what what shall be the outcome of these things? What's going to be the fate of Israel? Okay, it's going to be really bad and deliverance is going to come. How is this all going to work? He's saying, I don't understand. I don't have all the answers. And here's God's answer. And and we we see truth and love mixed together with God's answer here. He said, probably Gabriel speaking on behalf of God, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And, and the word is, so Daniel said, I don't understand, I don't have the answers, and God says, that's okay. Cool, go live your life for me. You don't need all the answers. And, and so go your way, it's not a rebuke. It's saying, go live your life for God and don't worry about the end. I've got that covered. Don't worry about your lack of knowledge. We know who knows. And so this is about not trusting in circumstances, not trusting in our answers, but trusting in God who we know gives the answers and controls the circumstances. And so many of times, some of you are like me, a little bit of control freakish, and we want to know the answers and we want to know how it's all going to work out and we want it all spelled out and God is saying, no, no. You don't get to know. I know, so trust me. And oh, that's hard, but it's beautiful at the same time. Because I'm afraid if we had all the answers, trust would be lost. Not that we wouldn't believe him, but we wouldn't have a need to trust him. And so God says, no, go live for me. Go your way, Daniel. Go live boldly for me. Serve me. Go about your life is literally what the word means. And don't worry. See, the purpose of all these prophecies have been to to trust God's sovereignty. The purpose of all of this is to know that his kingdom lives forever. It's a lasting kingdom, and we're part of it now, so go live like citizens of the kingdom now. Our names are already written in the book of life, this, this list of citizens. So recognize God's reign now. Act as citizens of the kingdom now, even without all the answers even in the worst of times. And so he reminds them, this is sealed up until it's needed. This is preserved. Those that need it will understand it even more. But then in verse 10, he gives a little bit more of an answer. So he says, don't, you don't need an answer, but because I love you, I'm going to give you a little bit more to make sure you're encouraged. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And so he reminds, as we're living for God, as we go forward, the call of those that are wise, the call of those that are following God is to purify themselves, make themselves white, be refined. But the wicked won't understand, and they'll just double down on their wickedness. So we get two responses to intense trial. We can either let it refine us, into Christ-likeness, or we can act wickedly and even more wickedly as we are bitter and resentful. The wicked still don't repent. They don't get it. Spiritual discernment is on display. The ones that know Christ understand it. The ones that don't, don't. And he goes on and say, okay, this is how you live in trial Those that are walking with God, purify yourselves, repent, make yourselves white, be refined, be living boldly for Christ. The wicked are just going to keep doing their thing. In verse 11, and from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there should be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at 1,335 days. And we're like, oh great, we're getting numbers again. What does all this mean? And three and a half years, we see even Revelation, is often 1,260 days. That's three and a half years of 30-day months, which was one of the ways they computed things. And, and what we're seeing here is a little bit more detail from God that we don't necessarily understand at all. 
and there's a lot of maybes in here, but a little bit more detail. And, and God is saying, from that time, from halfway through the tribulation, where the Antichrist breaks his treaty with Israel and defiles the temple and ends worship and, and institutes idolatry and idol worship, from that point, those three and a half years of just horrible trials, the worst of the worst, it will end. And there's only going to be 1,290 days. And you can count it. He says, from the beginning, 1,290 days. And, and that extra 30 days, that could be possibly that 30 days of judging the nations that happens at the end. I mean, there's, there's some time there because the Antichrist is setting up the temple and things like that. And so there's this, this time on both sides of the three and a half years where God is at work doing things. Daniel 9, 27, remember what that said. And he shall make, a, he um, being the Antichrist, shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half the week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and suffering. So at, at that middle, he's going to end worship. On the wing of the abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. And so we see again a reminder that you don't have all the answers, but know that I've got it under control. 1,290 days and it's done. Three and a half years. Verse 12, blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Speaking of persevering, who looks for Christ's return, who stays true to God even in the worst of times. You know, again, we have another number here, 1,335. 45 more days than the last one. That was just in the last sentence. A lot of commentaries, and I think this is probably right, think that, again, these events are happening in, in time, in history. And so God comes back, Jesus comes back, he judges the nations, but then he sets up the millennial kingdom, and that's probably where those extra days happen, is Jesus setting up his kingdom. And then we reign with him. Those are maybes. We don't know. But the two aspects we know, the time is limited by God and his sovereignty, and God's people are encouraged to persevere through the worst of circumstances because God's going to change the circumstances. Those are the two things we know from these verses. Keep going. Keep worshiping the true God. And at the end, verse 13 is a, a word to Daniel. But go your way to the end. Again, same thing he, he said in verse 9. Go your way to the end. Go live your life. Go live for me. Don't let this stress you out. Don't let this consume you. Go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. And so what he's saying is I've given you enough information to trust me. Not too much but I've given you enough information to trust me in any circumstance. And to Daniel, he says, you're actually going to die before any of this happens. You're going to go to your rest. But then at the end, you'll be resurrected too, and it's certain that you'll be delivered too because you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. And so he's saying, Daniel, you have what you need to live for me. You have what you need to not be consumed by trouble. You have what you need to not be consumed by pandemic talk, by not be consumed by what's going to happen to this world talk. Go live for me, God says. Go live your life and make an eternal difference. Your future is secure. See, Daniel has promised. You will be firm in your allotted place at the end of days. You will be resurrected. Your future is secure. Village, if you know Jesus, you will be firm in your allotted place at the end of days. And nothing will change that. If you know Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus or you're watching and you don't know Jesus or you've never given your life to him, your name is not written in the book of life. You will be resurrected, but it will be to judgment because you have denied the maker of the universe. You have denied the holy and sovereign God. And so today is your day to give your life to Jesus. So your future will be secure. So you know there will be everlasting life. 
I love what Miller wrote as he concluded Daniel. I think it's a fitting conclusion for us. May every person who reads these words be part of that great host of the redeemed who will shine like the brightness of the heavens and like the stars forever and ever. May that be us. No matter the circumstances, we trust our sovereign God so much that we will shine like stars in the brightness of heaven, that we will glorify our Father who is in heaven. Daniel chapter 12 is a conclusion. And in conclusion, God's still on the throne. He still reigns. And and, and we saw our points today. God helps and fights for his people. Praise God. So live for what eternally matters instead of worrying what's around us. We saw that God graciously limits times of trouble. So persevere and live boldly for God, even without all the answers, because we know that he will limit that time. And he knows when deliverance is needed. So village, we're ending Daniel. Didn't, had no idea what 2020 would, would hold when we chose Daniel. But what a message. Don't let the circumstances destroy you, but go live boldly for God, knowing that he is providing the answers. Keep the main thing the main thing and never forget that. Let's pray. Lord God, we are challenged by your word and encouraged by your word. Lord, we're encouraged that you have this. You've got this. That this is your timetable that nothing has surprised you. You are working things toward your desired end in history, even when we don't understand it. And Lord, the challenge to us is to live boldly for you without being a distressed people, without being a worried people, an anxious people. Lord, let us be different from this world and not be be shackled by fear, but to say, I'm gonna live boldly for Christ. And Lord, may this world see that. I pray that the people sitting here today and watching today that know you, that they will have an opportunity this week, this week to shine for you. That you will give an opportunity to maybe share the gospel with someone, to maybe share a reason for the hope that we have. Lord, I pray that this week you would provide those opportunities and we can be reminded that you are a God who works and a God who delivers. Lord, encourage us with these words and challenge us with these words. In your name.